So Archon, good afternoon, everyone. So welcome back to Archon, you know, our service seminar every Wednesday afternoon. And this afternoon, you know, we are so happy to have at Andy Klein to give us a great talk. And Andy has rich experience actually, you know, in company about actually all the security. He worked a lot of company in like Semantics, Point, PGP, and PLSoft and stuff in the Silicon Valley. And now he's working in the Black uh, uh, Back Blazer, mm -hmm. which is a cloud storage company. This is actually no surprise for us. He's going to talk about actually storage security and storage issues. And uh, we are going to know a lot of secrets about the hard drives because they actually launch a lot of data. And I'm, I'm sorry, and I'll I try to keep our introduction a little bit short because I believe you are going to have a lot of exciting things actually in your talk. Yeah, so let's welcome Andy. Yeah. Hi, thank you. Thank you very much. Let me, uh, I want to start with a story because it was it was funny how you, you tripped over uh, Black Blaze, okay? Um, Back Blaze is the name of the company and we do cloud storage and a lot of other stuff. That's great. But a lot of folks say Black Blaze, okay? It's not a hard thing to do. Um, so much so that people were typing it into browsers and stuff and looking for us and things. And we decided we needed to buy that that URL, right? That website, um, except it was owned by a porn company um, that did porn. And so we had to pay them and put a porn site out of business in order to get that uh, blackblaze.com site to come over to us. Um, so whatever we need to do to make sure that people are finding us. All right, so today we're gonna to talk about hard drives and a bunch of other things related to them. Um, and I'm gonna talk first about how, um, you know, how, uh, why we need them. Uh, most people these days, you have a laptop or whatever, and it's got an SSD in it, and you don't care about hard drives. Well, you really should. Um, and we'll talk about that. Um, we'll talk about the data we collect, um, all about hard drives. We'll talk about failure rates and all kinds of other things. And then we'll start to dig into some of the things you can find out about hard drives at the end. And then we'll finish up with something about predicting drive failure. Can you actually do that? Um, so a little adventure as we go through the day um, and we go through there. If you have questions, please type them in. We'll try to get to as many of them as we can at the end. If not, you'll, I'll give you my email address. You can always send them to me later or we'll pick them up. All right, so wh why do we care? Why do we care about hard drives? They're going away, right? Uh, no, no, they're not. Um, this is a IDC does this little chart here. And you can see by 2025, about 2.5 zettabytes worth of hard drive storage is going to be out there, right? <laughs> and it's increasing, you can see every year, hard drives aren't going away. Certainly SSDs are becoming part of the personality, uh, but they're still here. And we're relying on this technology. It's over 60 years old now, right? And you probably don't know anything about it. You don't think about it because you're looking at your laptop, right? And Or you're looking at your PC or whatever the case may be. Well, all folks like us are storing this, okay? There's us, there's obviously these other little tiny companies called Amazon and Google and Microsoft who all have cloud storage as well. And there's a, many others who do the same similar types of things. Guess what we store stuff on? Hard drives. And that's what I'm gonna talk to you about today. So you know a little bit more about what, uh, what we're using. Now, each year, each quarter, we actually publish a little report and I'll show you that, a copy of that later on, all right? And But as of the end of 2021, this is what we had and what we're paying attention to. So we had over 200,000 hard drives that we monitor on a regular basis. 
Uh, it's about 2.1 exabytes of storage. So you probably got a little bit more than you do at home. Um, and then the next three things I wanna get into because this is how we measure failure in hard drives, something called drive days, drive failures, which is kind of obvious. And then something called an annualized failure rate. And it's important to understand how we do, what those values are, because then you can get understand why things fail and how things fail and how they fail over time and all of that in order to measure that. So let's start with the data that we collect. Since 2013, we've been collecting uh, what we call drive stats data, okay? And for each hard drive that we have each day, we collect one row of data. You can see that right there and there's five or six rows, right? And so we collect the serial number model and so on. Uh, we also collect what are called the smart stats. Smart stats are something each manufacturer builds into their drive. Now they, there's 255 pairs of stats. They use various different ones to record data in. Some are common, like SmartStat 1 is a read error rate and so on. Um, SmartStat 9 is power on hours and things of that nature. But we've been collecting these for all of our drives. And the only thing we add to that is that failure column, right? And if a drive fails, we put, that little, we put a little one there. If it doesn't fail, it's got a zero. It's pretty straightforward. So that's the data we collect. And again, we've been collecting it for a long time. But a drive day, which is the point that I wanna make on this one is one line. So one drive for one day. So a single drive, that very first one listed there, the Seagate ST4000 and so on. That drive for one day, okay, is counts as one drive day. That drive for 365 days is 365 drive days. And it gives us a way to organize data. And you'll see why that's important later. Now, the data, like I said, we've been collecting it since April of 2013, uh, all drives in operation. We actually have a CSV file for every uh, day uh, since then. And you can kind of see how much data that really is, right? We're up to about 80 gig of raw data uh, out there. By the way, you can actually, if you're so inclined, this data is open source um, and you can download it. You just come to our website. There's the uh, site, the, the location there. You scroll down to the bottom. The files are broken up either annually or quarterly. You can download them. They're zipped up. You have to unzip them. Um, and you can look at the data. And, and quite frankly, actually, many people have. Um, and you'll see some examples of that a little bit later on. So the data is there uh, for you to look at if you don't believe what I'm going to tell you. Oops, let's go to the next one. There we go. Now, a drive failure, right? What do we think a failure is? And there's two types. There's something called a reactive failure, which you're probably familiar with. The drive stops working. It doesn't work. It doesn't do what you want it to do. You're banging on the top of it or whatever. You really need that thing to spin so you can get some data off. That's a reactive failure. And then there's something called a proactive failure, which is the idea that we can predict at some point that that drive is gonna fail in the future. And based on some factors and the smart stats in particular, okay, we can, we can say that drive needs to come out. And if you look to the right there, you notice in the red, there's things called five, reallocated sector count of 82 and 197, pending sector count, 276. These are all indicators to us because these values should be zero or very low that something is going on with this drive and it needs to come out of the system, right? And you'll see later when we talk about predicting failure rates, if we can get a look at that, if we can get that information ahead of time, 
we do much better off keeping up what's called durability about drives and all kinds of cool stuff like that. All right, so, so we talked about drive days. We understand what drive failure is. We put it into a formula. Um, and you can see we're just using a cohort here, in this case, of all of the models of drives that we have. And we have 23, 24 different models of different hard drives that we use. And then we said for the period of 2021, and we have the formula down at the bottom, right? Now, notice that formula doesn't include drive count. And, and it's an important reason. I, I did the math down at the bottom with drive count, but the reason is, is that our environment is very fluid. There are constantly new systems coming on and old systems being taken out. In other words, more drives coming in. The beginning of the year, for example, we didn't have 202,000 drives. We had about 160. So we added 40,000 drives over the year that weren't there for a year. So that's why we count drive days and do the math like this. And this gives us a failure rate. Okay, so that's really kind of nice, but what can we do with that? I mean, what is that and how does that matter to us? Right, well, it matters to us because we can look at it in lots of different ways. Again, we can group the drives different ways. We can group them over different periods and we can do that annualized failure rate. And that's, um, and that's really cool. So you saw the annual one there, right? 1.01%, we've done it, we can do it quarterly. Uh, and we can even do it over the lifetime of the, that group of drives. Um, and that gives us an idea of what's happening with that group of drives. So if we want to look at one particular drive model and we can say, hmm, interesting, I think the, the rate is going up or interesting, the rate is going down. Okay, and we'll talk about that in just a bit when we talk about something called the bathtub curve, right? So, and that we can also do things like look at it by manufacturer, right? Now this is quarter by quarter. So what we did is we said, okay, in Q2 of Q1 of 2018, here's the data that happened in that period. Q2, here's the data that happened in that period and Q3 and so on and so forth. This gives us the ability to see changes that are happening, not quite in real time because they don't usually happen that quickly, but trends that are happening, all right? And that's really important to us. So you see the, the green line there, that's the Seagate drives, right? And they started to, they were doing fine around one and a half percent, which is about their traditional number for us. Um, and then they started going up and we started paying attention to that. And we said, what's going on? So we started digging in, we worked with Seagate and we found a particular drive model that was just not doing well in our environment. And our environment is really nice. A data center is a nice place. I mean, it's air conditioned, it's, there's no dust in the place, right? Everybody's really quiet. Uh, the machines kind of make a little bit of noise, but um, you get plenty of electricity. It's filtered. It's you got two or three sources of it. They, it's really, really nice for these drives, right? So when they start misbehaving as a group, we really need to start paying attention to that. Something's going on. It just didn't fit right in our environment. Maybe perfectly fine in, for example, in an external hard drive for you, but not good for us. And so we looked at that, we made some adjustments and you can see the curve comes down and that's great. And the curve then again, wandering around one and a half percent and then starts to go up again. And we had another little uh, drive issue. We only had a few of them this time. We were able to correct that. Um, and some of those corrections are things like tuning firmware um, that you can do, that we can do. You probably can't do that at home, okay? So if you have an external hard drive and it's got a, a, a hard drive in there, 
and you want to tune it, you probably don't have the ability to do that. You might be able to get some tools off the internet and do some fun stuff, but um, yeah, you know, uh, that's what's going on. So the other way we can look at the same data, and we'll look at the same data again, is cumulative. In other words, starting from the beginning of time, each quarter, and just adding on, right? You know what the difference is. And there you see some the macro trends, right? And so we notice, for example, that Seagate one is way back in 2018 was up at 2.5%. Now it's below 2%, and it's moving downward. And that's a good trend, right? Now, at this point, you're going to ask, you may ask the question and say, well, okay, why would you ever use Seagate drives, right? Because I can see, for example, the HGST drives or even the Toshiba drives are doing better. And the answer has to do very simply with, you know, failure rates to us, our systems are built for failure, right? At home, you have a system, you have a drive and maybe a backup drive. And when something goes wrong, you're now down to one or the other. Okay, when something goes wrong, when a drive fails in our system, we have, it's completely designed for failure, right? We have, uh, we use something called Reed Solomon and erasure coding algorithms to parse data out. Um, in our case, we have 20 different drives. When your data comes in, it's actually parsed across those 20 drives in either 17 data, data bits of data and three parity or 16 bits of data and four parity, depending on the size of the hard drive uh, that we're putting the data out there. Parity is the is the uses some matrix math and all kinds of fun stuff like that in the in the encoding algorithm that does that takes care of that. So you can lose up to four drives in that particular case and still rebuild any file in out of that that came into that that what we call a tome into that 20 different things. So with that in mind, we are really, as long as we stay within a certain range and we understand that range and we understand the behavior of those systems, we can pay less money. Seagates are traditionally cost less than Toshiba or HGST drives. And so that's great for us and we can save a few dollars, right? But when we go out and buy drives, we don't buy one or two, we buy 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000. And so you get various different prices for them and all of that. So there's some interesting economics that go on to play when in, a, in our environment. Now, I mentioned earlier that we do a report, okay? We actually do a quarterly report. Once a quarter, we do something called the drive stats report. Some of you may have even been familiar with that. And uh, we publish it. And it is, as you can see, this, the stats about all of the different drive models that are current. So this is the one from the end of the year. Uh, and this is a cumulative one over the lifetime of the drives. And that's really cool. Model number, size, drive count, average age. The two important ones, of course, drive days, drive failures, and then the annualized failure rate, and then the confidence interval. And that's because, and we published that because we want you to understand how good that that number is so, so when we give you an annualized failure rate of 0.5 okay like that very first one what's the what's the range what's the confidence interval and, and so 0 0.1 0 0.2 is great okay if you're between that low and high that's a great number that means that 0.5 apr okay afr excuse me is really really solid okay and you can expect that to continue uh for a while Wider ones, of course, um, not so much, especially newer drives that haven't been around a while. We only have a few of them. That confidence interval is really wide. 
And at that point, you have to go, well, I, I see the number, but I don't know if I trust the number. Uh, and a good example of that might be way all the way down at the bottom, the WDC one, which is a good looking 16 terabyte drive, yay. And it's got a ridiculously low rate, annualized failure rate of 0.14%, but that confidence interval is kind of wide, it's 0.8, somewhat, all right? And so you don't know if that number's still got plenty of room to go up uh, and rise. And so, so those are the, we publish those on a regular basis, like I said, uh, to give people insights into how our environment works for drive failures. Now, what else can we do with knowing this information about drives, right? Well, if any of you are in engineering or any of that kind of stuff, I know you're, you probably, most of you are cyber students, but you've probably heard of something called the bathtub curve, right? The idea that components fail early on, they settle into a rate in the middle of low failure rates, and then they increase as things wear out going along. And we wanted to test and see if that was the case with hard drives. Right? We had never seen that before. So way back in 2013, one of the first things we did as we started collecting this data was to do that. This is by quarter. And then at the bottom, you can see it's year. So one, two, three, four. We were able to go back about four years before the data started to get a little squirrely. Um, and if you look at that, you kind of get that sense that it looks kind of like a bathtub curve, right? It's, it starts up kind of high and it wanders down. Um, it hits that constant rate in the middle, which is really kind of nice, below 1% or so there. And then it, at the end, it drives back up. So we had a bathtub curve and it looked like hard drives as a group followed the bathtub curve. Well, this past year, um, I decided to go back and take a look and see if that was still the case. And what we found, right, was mm, it doesn't look like it. Right, And we also had six years worth of data which stretched out the curve a little bit. Um, and you'll see that in, in a second, how they compare. Right, But the front end of that curve, the decreasing part really doesn't look like it decreases terribly much. Right, It kind of looks flat. And then it slowly drops down into that constant area and then it starts to come up and it takes a long time before it really gets to be bad, like in year six or so, five or so. Um, where it starts to get those rates really start to get high again, right? And, and it kind of, it didn't feel like a bathtub curve anymore. I, uh, I kind of said, well, it's, it's pretty shallow um, in the middle there and it kind of leaks off to the left-hand side. So when we put both of those together, okay, you can see the difference here, right? You can see how one kind of looks like a bathtub, the other one almost doesn't look like one at all. But as we all know, um, looks can be um, deceiving, right? We always want to do a little bit further analysis when you start to look, right? And something may look right. And so we dug into the 2021 data again, and we plotted it out, and we said, okay, great. And then we threw a trend curve on there. It's a, a second-order polynomial. And you can see how the curve kind of looks. And if you follow the curve all the way from the beginning all the way to the end, it, it doesn't really look like a bathtub curve, but the interesting thing about it is if you stop on that curve at about year four, you suddenly get the bathtub curve back. So the first four years seem to fit. And what that's kind of telling us is the data that we have in, in years five and, and leading up to six, right, are, are probably too thin to make a good judgment with. Right? And these are the kinds of things we challenge ourselves with all of the time. So 
even though it doesn't quite look like the bathtub prayer was working, it seems to be holding for the first four or five years. We still get that same effect of uh, a, a higher rate of incident at the beginning, a nice settling at the middle, and then drives start to fail uh, a little longer uh, over time. Drives are lasting longer, okay? They seem to be lasting five and six years. And in our case, we have there's a particular model, it's um, a six terabyte Seagate model that we have that's almost seven years old now, and it's still under 1% failure rates, which is just stunning. We have some of the four terabyte HGSTs, which are uh, six years old, and they're under a half a percent failure rate. Um, amazing. But at some point, they're going to start failing. Um, and so if you ever want to know how long drives last, maybe uh, that's what the next one is, okay? life expectancy, because most people, and, I, and most people you'll run into don't care about annualized failure rates um, and, or anything. They don't think that way when they walk into a store and they say, I wanna buy a hard drive, right? What they think about is how long is something gonna last? You don't go to, and buy a washing machine and say, uh, what's the annualized failure rate of this washing machine? It's just not the way human, we're programmed to, to think consumers as that is scientists different story um, but um, but we're programmed to think about how long something's going to last so we used uh, Kaplan Meyer projections in order to, to model the data out and and I'm not the first to do this we've actually had a couple of folks who downloaded all of our data and did the same thing I got bless them um, and and got similar types of numbers that we had and what we see here is, you buy something, you buy a hard drive today, and at the end of four years, there's a 90% chance that drive's still gonna be working, which is a pretty good number, okay, all in all. Now, if you're that 10% who didn't, <laughs> right, always have a backup, that's, you know, that's our motto, so to speak, right? But you can start to see that by the time you get out into the year six and close to year seven, now you're dealing with a 50% number. And that starts to get really scary. That's just a coin flip. Uh, as to whether your drive is going to be alive or not. So when you start to think about um, whether you're going to buy a hard drive, for you, like I said, for as an external unit, maybe you start to think about, hey, I think it's going to last three or four years, and then I'm going to have to replace it, and just make that part of the way you think. Um, and that can be pretty helpful uh, going forward. Now, I mentioned earlier the smart stats, and, and here's just an exploded view of that. So you can see how we collect the data and there's smart one, smart two, smart three, smart four, going all the way across. And there's a raw value and a normalized value for each of those. And each of those has a meaning to the particular drive that it's in. Uh, not all smart stats are reported for each drive. As a matter of fact, a given drive might report only 30 or 40 different ones. Um, but they all report some common ones that we can go and look at. So we started looking at the smart stats. And again, they all mean something. And some of them are things like, um, you know, MediaWare and so on. Uh, more recently, we started looking at SSDs, which we're not going to talk about much today, um, but uh, to see if uh, how they're doing, right? And, um, and, and they also have smart stats and we're beginning to dig into those as well. So I wanted to point out some things that we looked at over the coming of the last several years as it relates to using these smart stats and the kinds of things that you can find and we found that are in there. First one is, you can answer a question for us about temperature, 
right? So is the temperature of your hard drive going to affect its failure rate? In other words, uh, you know, do, do I really need to keep it cool? Now, the first answer is, is keep it cool. Okay. <laughs> you know, the, um, you know, try to keep it a fan on it and all of those kinds of things, because at some point you're going to run out of luck with it. Right. Uh, the operating range of most hard drives is between zero and 60 degrees Celsius. All right. And you'll see that on there. You want to stay very comfortably stay in something in the 70 to 90 degree uh, Fahrenheit range, um, which is, you know, 25 to 33 or so in Celsius. Most of us in the U.S. don't think that way. So Fahrenheit. We took all of our drives and we looked at them. We looked at the operational ones, one still running, and then the ones that had failed. And we compared them. We said, okay, so, you know, what was the temperature at? approximately the time they failed and not right at the time they failed you go back a little bit because as they fail they might heat up or something or they might cool down um so we took an average um but the interesting thing is is when you plot them out okay those curves eh, kind of look the same right there's no skewing like oh my goodness um all of the fail drives are on fire um and there's there's 60 70 80 degrees in celsius out there we just didn't see that. Um, you just don't see it in the data. You see a little bit of warmth there at like 39, 41, and so on and so forth, where it's obvious there's something going on there, but it's just not prolific. Um, temperature doesn't seem to bother drives too much. And this goes all the way back to um, 2007. Our friends at Google uh, did a study. And they found this and we retested it. Like I said, I retested it this last year. And this is what we found. It kind of confirms that. Um, but interestingly enough, and we'll see this in a little bit, sometimes temperature works its way into the equation, right? But for the most part, keep your drive running, keep it happy, keep it at a reasonable temperature in your house or whatever, you'll be fine. That's not going to be the problem. Now, if you have uh, a like a tower, a PC tower or something like that. And it's, uh, and you stuffed it into a cabinet and it's got no ventilation and uh, there's a million dust bunnies behind it and all of that. All bets are off at that point because you're probably punishing those drives inside. This is by the way, the internal drive temperature. So this is what the drives think like, or they are inside. Um, and so, you know, um, temperature is generally not a problem, but, don't tempt fate, you know, keep them and keep them nice, keep them in your house, like I said, and you'll be fine. Um, power cycling, right? The age old question, do you turn it off at night or do you leave it on? Right. And, you know, your grandma turns it off because she's going to save a, a tenth of a watt of electricity. Um, and, you know, you, you probably don't. Uh, you probably slam the lid closed on your laptop and call it a day. Now, most drives, when they are not busy, they turn themselves off, right? They, they put themselves in sleep mode and then they wake themselves back up uh, these days, all right? But we wanted to test the theory. And we, we at least wanted to see what we could find out. And we looked at our drives, right, as of the end of 12, yeah, as of the end of December. Um, and we said, okay, so what's the uh, average number of times a good drive fails? A good drive, um, you know, has been turned off and on. And then for the failed drives, how often are they turned on? And you can see the numbers just aren't that different, 
right? You certainly couldn't come to anything that says there's a correlation between failure and turning a drive off and on. It just, just doesn't seem to be there. Now, the only downside is, is we don't turn off our drives a whole lot. We don't turn them off every day and every night um, because people like to store data with us and it's 24 seven and so on. So maybe there's something that says, hey, after I get to 50 or 60 or 70 or 100 times in a year, maybe there's a problem. Um, but for our sites, we couldn't see anything that was that different, right? And we even looked at it over time. We said, hey, is there any relationship between power cycles and time? So something like, you know, if I start turning it off and on and after it's older, uh, that'll cause it to fail more. And the answer doesn't seem to be any, it, no, it, it just doesn't seem to be related at, at all. Uh, so it doesn't matter whether a drive is one year old or five years old, okay, it's, it doesn't seem to have an effect right now in turning a drive off and on. There's just no real correlation to that. Now, one of the last things I'll talk about, and this will give us plenty of time for questions, which is great, um, is, the, um, is predicting hard drive failure, all right? And we first saw, the first paper I saw was that from some folks in IBM there, uh, Morella and company. Um, and they used some what I would call traditional methods uh, to try to figure it out. And they were actually pretty good at being able to predict failure, drive failure, um, especially like three or four days out. Um, and, but really, really good. They could get 97% accuracy on a particular drive model uh, three days out, but they needed like three years worth of data to do that. Um, and three years is a long time to wait to find out that in year four, it's going to fail. Um, but over the years, people have done more and more papers on this. And in sometime in 2018 or 2019, people started applying machine learning and, and artificial intelligence algorithms to, to this problem set. And they take all of our data in and they use it. And in 2021, there was a paper here. And I happen to like this particular paper. It's by the folks at Interpretable. Um, and they did a nice study, and I want to just walk you through uh, the kinds of things you can do with the data to learn all about hard drives, right? Um, so they took our statistics, remember all of that data I said before, and they actually downloaded all of it. And then they took a subset of it. They were looking at one particular drive model because we had like 30 some odd thousand of them. We had lots of data on it. Um, and they applied what's called optimal decision trees technology to it and then uh, techniques and then survival curves to it. And I'll show you examples of both of those in just a second. And they were able to come up with the ability to predict uh, from a long-term uh, drive failure. So in other words, more than 90 days and then short-term less than 90 days. So drive's gonna fail in a certain period of time. And they were even able to squeeze the number of records they needed down to as little as 50,000, which isn't a lot of data, okay? We were giving them, they had something like a million different records and they were able to use 50,000, take that, train their system, and then apply it out and test it against the rest of them and it worked, uh, which is pretty awesome uh, when you start to think about it. So they were really on top of that. Um, let, me, let me see. So so the optimal decision trees, right? I don't know if any of you guys are terribly familiar with all of this kind of stuff, but basically they build this node and you can see at each node, there's a smart stat. So in the top one there, it says five. 
the raw value of SmartStat number five. And down below, it's the normalized value of SmartStat number three. And they were looking at all these different values. And they run the drives through one at a time. And the drive, this has how they train their model, okay, to build the, uh, the trees out. And when they get all the way down to the bottom, you get a set of criteria that says, hey, like uh, node 15 and node 24, which we'll take a look at in a minute, says, this is how you get to this node. And node 15 is 88.9. So there was an 88.9% um, uh, survivability at that point um, and so on. So let, well, let's take a look. Healthy drives, right? Uh, they used uh, Kaplan-Meier curves again, healthy, right? And if that smart stats lined up with those values or in the ranges of those values as they predict, right? They, were, they could say that drive has an 88.85% chance of lasting 90 days. That's pretty good for us, okay? It's particularly good because we're, we can fix a drive within a short period of time Right, and we, uh, you know, a couple of days sometimes, but uh, you know, so all we really need to care about is, is, is it going to last a little while longer? But start to think about the applications of that when you start moving your data centers from big gigantic things in the middle out to what they call the edge, um, and there are smaller groups of drives out there, and you can't get a technician out there for a week and all of that. This becomes to me really, really interesting and important. Right. On the flip side, is unhealthy drives. So if you had a drive that met these conditions, that was gonna fail, okay? It had an 11, it was, it was gonna fail. And you can see how quickly it was gonna fail. If I had a drive with these conditions, I, had, I should have a guy on a scooter running for that drive to replace it because it's gonna fail almost inevitably really soon. And they were able to do things like say, um, like I said, predict this kind of capability, get that drive out of here right now, you have 24 hours. Right. And that's really important to places like us. It's in, if it's important to us, then it's important to you by proxy, because you want to make sure that we can store your data, um, you know, and companies like us can store your data and stay on top of it and keep the what's called durability of our entire system up and running. So whenever you ask for something, you get it back and, you know, it's there. So so that's a little bit about hard drives and all kinds of interesting things. I hope I'm guessing you didn't know. Right. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about why we care and all of those kinds of things about the data we collect and failures and all of that kind of stuff. I really like the I really like looking at the smart stats and trying to dig out interesting little things like temperature um, and and other things that apply to the human condition, the whole idea. I I've spent the last couple of years looking at the, can I turn a drive off or leave it on? And I, it saddens me that I can't come up with a good answer. Um, and the only answer seems to be, it doesn't seem to matter. Um, so maybe your grandma was right after all of these years. Um, but, um, but those are fun things to look at. And, but the real exciting part is in that whole predictive area, right? Where I can get the ability to figure out if something's going to happen ahead of time. In a perfect world, I would replace every drive before it failed. The reason is very simple, okay? If I can take that drive out before it fails, I can do something called clone it and put it back in, put its clone back in and have that system up and running within a, a half a day. If I have to remove that drive when it fails, I have to rebuild the entire contents of that drive when I put a new one in, which is empty. And that can take a week, 
two weeks, right? You're not losing any data because of all the redundancies we have built in there, but it just means that the durability of the system comes down a little bit. So all kinds of fun stuff to do, um, all kinds of things there. Uh, let's take a look and see what kinds of questions we, we have out there. Let's see. Questions, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I'm late, Mary. All right. Well, I'll give you guys a chance to uh, see if you had any questions. We talked all kinds of different things um, about, um, about drives. Um, how does this apply to you guys, the security folks? Okay, it's a good question. Um, one of the things I saw recently, right, was somebody had talked about the fact that uh, SSDs, right, have, have a data section where you write data, and then they have another section where the system keeps track of things like smart stats and all of that. And somebody had put a virus into a piece of malware into that section of the code in, in the system. So even if you wipe the drive, you didn't wipe the malware. Um, so, uh, and that was a tough one to find. It was actually something that happened in a manufacturing facility, right? So start to think about that and how you would detect it and how you would get rid of that and what you would do about it when you can't even format that particular part of the hard drive, or in this case, an SSD. And the same thing, by the way, happens uh, as well uh, with, um, with hard drives. They have that protected area. Um, and uh, we, uh, we've, we can now format it because we get from the manufacturer a formatting mechanism that formats the whole drive. So for example, when a drive does go bad for us, one of the things we wanna do is make sure it's cleaned of all of the data uh, that's out there. And we run these, these particular applications and they make sure that the entire drive is reformatted and not just where the data resides uh, that were out there. So lots of good things going on um, as it relates to secured, as it relates to hard drives. Um, uh, the, the whole idea of course uh, for us is keeping things encrypted when we store them. Um, and uh, you guys are, I'm pretty sure, pretty familiar with the concept of encryption <laughs> um, uh, and how it all works. That's what you're looking for um, whenever, uh, whenever you want to store data somewhere. Um, you know, and you all know that. You, you, I'm sure you all have your home systems um, or your, even your school systems uh, have the data turned on, have a file locker or whatever the particular application is and so the drive is. And if you don't, shame on you, go home and do it immediately. Um, and, and make sure that when you do things like store data on external drives that it's also encrypted because if you put it on there in plain text and you lose that external drive, eh. Um, so, um, you know, little lessons to remember as you go along. All right. Um, I think, uh, well, we didn't have any questions, which is fine. I'm, uh, either I did an excellent job or everybody is still asleep. Um, but it is, uh, no, it is we later in the day. We, we, we're not, we, we, we are not sleeping. I just feel actually we learn a lot of actually this data because this data is from, you actually you teach a lot of things we do not know. I'm sorry because I, as the panelist, I cannot type the question. So the, the only the, 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 the attendees can type the question. <laughs> but I just want to say, we, we are not sleeping actually. I feel this, you show a lot of actually the great numbers and help us to know, oh, oh, this is the healthy of the hard drive. And we didn't know that before. Yeah. yeah. And, and I wanted to, uh, yeah. so it's important. The other little thing to know um, and, and, and is that again, that data set's open. It's available for anybody to download. And one of the things we've seen is, um, is a number of different universities actually download the data so they can use, so they can practice 
okay, building building models um, and so on and so forth, which in, even in security, even in the cyberspace is, is certainly part of what you're doing on a real-time basis. And, you know, because you can go through and you have enough data to do a training set, and then you can test it against the actual real data to see if it works out. Uh, and that's what we've seen. Um, the data has actually been used, cited about a hundred times in the last three or four years with various different studies and papers and all kinds of things like that. And so you guys may find that useful to do. It is free. I don't care uh, to go and download it. Have a great old time. If you do something interesting, tell me about it. Um, that's always cool um, because we like to talk about things like that um, and highlight those kinds of things. Uh, and um, you know, and uh, it, but it's it's there, um, and that's that's really cool. So you can see some of the things I do with it on a regular basis, and I'm not nearly as good at uh, stats and statistics and so on as many of you are. So um, always good, uh, always good to take a look at that data and see what's going on. Let's see, we got, oh, there's your red back. <laughs> uh, we, we, we do have a question. Can you say the question is the Q&A? We have two questions count out. Can you say that or do you need me to read that for you? Uh, why don't you read them for me, please? Oh yeah, so the first question from the Patrick, he just asked, uh, um, the, is there any correlation between the drive failure and the, the file size or volume? Or what? So uh, that's, a, that's a good question. We, um, uh, it's not file size that we see a correlation for. Um, we do see a correlation, and, and that's all we can do at this point, between uh, failure rates and drive size. So the size of drive, whether it's a four, six, and eight, or so on. And the drives we have go from four up to 16 right now, terabytes each, right? Um, and it does rise um, over time. So the, the failure rates seem to go up um, as, as the drives get bigger, right? And, but you have to be really careful about that because one of the things you wanna make sure of is you got them in the same time. Uh, remember, remember the the, uh, the bathtub curve, right? You want to make sure you're looking at all of the drives in their first year of operation, and all of their drives in the second year of operation, and so on. Not just that, just not on December first, because then you're gonna they're gonna be all over the board. And so, where most of our larger drives, the 14s and 16s, are only about a year, a year and a half old. And so, while they look a, they look a little, they don't look as good right now it's it's really early to tell but right now we're seeing a little bit of a rise in the failure rates and and it kind of makes some sense i mean the complexity a, a couple of years ago before before covid and all of this stuff i got a chance to go to the um, the seagate uh, prototyping facility in longmont colorado and they walked me through how they build a hard drive and they had all the machines and everything like that it is amazing, okay, for what you're getting, what you're getting for forty nine dollars when you buy a one terabyte hard drive, much less a sixteen terabyte hard drive with eight or nine platters, spitting at seventy two hundred or more RPMs revolutions per minute, right? With a whole bunch of read write heads stuffed in between all of these things, flying, you know, a couple of nanometers above the surface and still being able to pick out dots that are the, the pluses and the ones and zeros in order to get your data off of there. It, 
it's an amazing amount of technology that's in there. It's amazing it doesn't fail like every day, right? <laughs> um, so the mere fact that it's lasting five or six years and they're pushing that out, out now, like I said, they're talking about nine platters in, in, in three and a half inch platform. Um, they're looking at technologies that are using uh, Hammer, which is uh, heat assisted uh, read and write and Mammer, which is uh, M, um, I can't think of the right word. Uh, anyway, uh, that's a, another technology which helps put the dots in place and all of this kind of stuff and creating something called aerial density and all of that. It's just amazing what's going on. Um, and again, half the world's data is going to be on these things in 2025 anyway. SSDs, by the way, are pretty cool too, so don't get me yeah. wrong. But but they're not electromechanical, okay? These are This is all an electrical mechanical system, which is, like I said, divided, built in, in 1956 by IBM. And the same basic principles are, that are put in then are still working today. And we've been able to scale them. And it's, it's just amazing. Uh -huh. Actually, Andy, I really, for me, I already want to comment about the SSD and the hard drive, but because we have two more questions from Q&A, so let me know. And the one more, so we have, still have two more questions. And the one question is from Chris. He just asked, you know, you know, right now we can actually predict, right, the statics, we can get actually, but this, this shows actually, you know, the correlation between smart and the failure is kind of a short-term prediction. So he just wonder, um, how can we leverage this one? It's difficult for us to leverage this one to extend our drive life. So just ask her, can you say actually any clear correlation that would help us to design better drive from this? Yeah, static? yeah so it, it all depends. If you're just, you know, a, a regular user, okay, you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to have the enough data available to you to do it. Some of the newer um, uh, systems I've seen, uh, computers and so on and so forth, actually monitor some of these smart stats mm -hmm. and, um, and they will report to you, hey, I think the hard drive is failing. Um, and, and that's kind of cool that they're doing some of that. Um, but you as a regular user who's not very familiar with the utilities and stuff. Now, if you're familiar with something called um, smart CTL or whatever application, um, you can run on your computer that monitors all of these stats and you can look at all of that and start to make some judgments. That's really cool. Um, but, um, but most people can't do that. And you have to rely on the manufacturer telling you the best thing to do is have it you know, has a backup. I mean, we always preach something called three to one backup, which is you need three copies of something before it's real. One on your laptop, one on an external drive and one someplace else. I don't care if it's in the cloud or whatever, just someplace else, right? Um, three copies. And, and then two is just on two different media, which is don't put them both on the same hard drive kind of thing. And then one copy offsite, right? Um, and if you think that way, then it really, then I don't want to say it really doesn't matter, but it, you have less worry about your particular hard drive running inside your system. But to your point, um, there are some tools available. They are not terribly user-friendly. Sometimes they're built into the operating system or some of the applications may come with your system and it will tell you that your hard drive or SSD is failing. Um, and, uh, and then try not to ignore them like most people will. Um, so. <laughs> but but, but uh, Backblazer is the professional action cloud storage company. So you'd have to look into this data and then right, make the hard drive work longer and uh, healthy and um, combat with this kind of failure, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are professional, right? Wait, 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 I'm not. Okay, then yeah. we have one more question. Actually, yep. I think this question is very useful because it's leading to our daily life. So he just asked, you know, so this is very interesting question. So we just ask, you know, what's the failure rate over time will apply to the active HDD or this kind of not active SDD? Because usually we have, like I said, we have a hard drive running 24 hours, seven days. But we also have some big kind of storage and which just uh, with external HDD, we just power off when the most time they, are, they do not work. So just ask, you know, this failing rate over time will yeah. make a difference for these two different working mode because he worry he has some hard disk, maybe store some very important files so that this is from NASA. It's store some maybe important files actually for more than 10 years. We want to make sure it's still working, right? <laughs> right. So, oh, so yeah. He's, Could you uh, comment? So you know, we, we obviously keep them running 24 seven. That's absolutely right. Um, and, and, but what we see is, um, and this is just uh, after years and years of talking with folks, a lot of folks take it, like you, see, like you say, create an external hard drive and they put their data on there. And then after they're done storing everything, they stick, they put it in the closet. Um, and what happens is, is the drives are really meant to spin. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and, they just seem to fail a lot more often after they sit for a long period of time. And we've seen this with individuals, we've seen this with many businesses that used uh, external hard drives to store second copies of things and they create this closet of, you know, a hundred external hard drives with all of their data on it. And then they would have a failure rate of 20% taking them out of there. Um, and that's a crazy number, right? Um, because they're just, they just sat for a long period of time. One, two, sometimes the conditions in your closet or whatever are not particularly nice. It really does get warm in there in the summertime. And it really does get cold in there in the wintertime. And even though I said temperature doesn't have a whole lot of effect, it's that swings back and forth that can be it. And then, you know, the components are meant to work. And so if you suddenly turn it on and, and they're, you know, maybe, maybe, they've been sitting too long. So I, I always encourage folks who have external hard drives to plug them in uh, every so often, just to see if they're used, they're, they're ready, they're, they're still working. Um, and don't expect them to last 10 years, although, you know, sometimes they do. Um, and good on you if they do. Um, but um, I, I always think, you know, maybe once a year, whatever the case may be, bring them out of the closet, plug them in, make sure everything's still there, do a disk check, uh, you know, file system check or whatever the case may be, and, um, and see if that, um, that drive is still up to snuff. Um, and make sure it's not the only copy of something. If you take all of your family's photos and stick it on an external drive and that's your only copy, please make another app. copy, you know? Yeah, like app. right. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and yeah, I said it's very useful. So it's more like, you know, we should check, you know, the external storage, you recommend, right, like at least once a year because the frequency, the, the use frequency, of course, we are affected the lifetime, but also, you know, the, 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 the total time is also affected the lifetime, right? The hard disk is not, oh yeah, even you do not use this for, for 10 years, this still like, no, we cannot show our hard disk. Or how a hard drive, you know, it's so reliable. <laughs> it right. 
Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and we're, we, we tell people like, like, this is our environment. Yours is your mileage varies, right. Depending on your environment, but places like that, where people are putting drives in closets or whatever for years on end, uh, always a good idea just to take them out and check them. Um, you know, like I said, once a year, once every few months, whatever schedule you want to put yourself on um, because it's the value of the data that's on there is, is well worth it. So maybe maybe I can just last a question from me. Okay, so maybe you can comment. Uh, then what will be actually recommended uh, or you believe more permanent actually the way for us to do family or personal storage? Is it cloud or um, which? So uh, I yeah. always, like I said, we always say three, two, one. You have your PC um, mm -hmm. or your Mac or whatever. Um, and then you probably have an external drive because you want to have an external drive. You want to have your data close to you uh, as a backup copy. Um, I, for example, use a Mac and then I have a time machine external backup system. And then I use, of course, Backblaze, um, which is a cloud storage system. And between those three okay over the last 10 years since i've worked at backblaze i've crashed three systems and i've never lost a file um, i've always been able to recover it either um, off of uh, time machine um, or uh, and or off of uh, backblaze and so um, you know so i it's it's been the case that i've been able to do that that way so three copies of everything in three different places uh, obviously i say cloud storage for the third one but um, I know people who burn, who make a second um, external drive and send it to a relative in a different state. Whatever you need to do, just get it away from your current ones, get it off site. Um, it's a little easier to do cloud storage, but it's up to you as to what you want to pay for and how you want to do it. Yeah, I, of course, you know, I think, you know, the personal and the cloud and all this one will be important for us to have backup. Just one, you know, for lifetime, our data becomes more and more. And then eventually, you know, we put them on my Mac, can store kind of like some one terabytes, but more than this one and a lot of things we have to have backup. So actually use the solution used by NASA, it's just the external disk. But I need to check it once a year to check it's still working <laughs> or... Maybe yep. I forget about this data, you know, because this data I really use. I do not use it very often. <laughs> the the important thing, you know, and 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 if you do store it in the cloud, um, you know, then make sure it's it may or may not be uh, under a subscription. You make sure you have to make sure that's us stays up to date. You want to make sure other people have access to your account in case something happens to you. You got to start thinking about all of those kinds of things. I mean, that's just the world we're in right now. Um, you know, so, um, and that's fine, um, you know, but, but like I said, multiple copies, get them in different places. Um, and if it's really, really important to you and then check it on a regular basis and make sure you got what you expect. Yeah. So Andy, thank you very much. You know, not only to give it this great talk, but also give us a lot of useful tips we need to use because we need to deal with actually the storage. And I think that right now we are kind of, you know, I think, you know, that's the good time for actually, you know, the, this seminar. And uh, we really, really appreciate you actually coming us to give us this great talk. And also thank you for others coming for today's actually the serious seminar. So we hope everybody's safe and healthy. Oh, by the way, the next week is spring break. So we are going to see you two weeks later. Yeah. And, and enjoying your spring break. Okay. I'm not sure if you have spring break, but you know, the spring is coming soon. So yeah, have a good day. Have a good day. Thank you again. Bye.